When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally back. Um, Scott, with Tahiti about to start, people are going to watch those guys getting barreled in tropical location, and they're going to want to travel. Where should they go for all their travel needs? They should go to uh, Chile. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I would suggest they go. If you're going to get on a plane right now and go somewhere, you should go to Chile. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're going to be surfing, or Peru, you're going to be surfing epic, long left-hand points. And it's actually a a place I've, I really want to go. I've never, it's never been on my radar, you know, but it kind of has just peripherally, but just because it's there and you see it and you're like, oh, I'd like to go there sometime, but it's never been like fangs are in i'm planning a trip to chile you know but i'd love to do it and um, there's some massive straight south swells that are well today it's going to be macking but there's another one behind it and i like the idea of getting a going to places after a massive swell has hit and Mm. getting the getting the next one because um i don't know for whatever reason there's a lot of energy in the water and people are surfed out and people have left and yeah that's my do you work? Do you work for waterwaystravel.com? Because <laughs> this feels like a concierge telling me exactly how to access the best waves with nobody on, nobody on them. Well, I'm, I'm sure that Sean and his crew over there at Waterways would tell you the same thing. Um, but yeah, Waterways Travel, it's a one-stop shop for experience, for know-how, for, um, for people that, that know the travel industry, especially uh, as it relates to surfing. Tips like Scott just gave, but multiplied galore. Um, that footage of Punta Lobos these last couple of days is just so insane. I mean, as in terms of like a long, la- a long giant left. Yeah. That's probably as good as it gets. Yeah. And I'm going to go to Surfline right now as you continue on, because today it's supposed to be like 30 feet. No way. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so... The only limitation, I mean, not to get too far off off the path from waterwaystravel.com, but um, the only limitation when you watch those guys surf that wave is the board the, the board itself, you know, like it's just big enough uh, to where they can still paddle it, but the board only really allows them to go straight. Like you need a board that large to paddle into a wave that size. But once they're up and riding, they're really just aiming for the end. They're not really <laughs> able to do any turns or anything like that. So you see him stroking into the wave and you're like, holy cow. And they're making like a long adjustment off the bottom to hopefully get up into that pocket section. And then, you know, there's no ability to do cutbacks or anything like that. But board design is something that needs to be sorted out for waves of that size maneuverability, you know? Yeah, you know. That camera angle that you often see is kind of weird too, because it's up high. Yeah. Like yeah. those waves are absolutely huge. I mean, they look huge in the video, but uh, you know, sort of the up high angle doesn't do it much justice. 
I couldn't, there are no cameras down there in uh, mm, Chile or good. Peru that were easily accessible, but I did pull up the Puerto Escondido cam. And if you want to go there, talk to the guys at Waterways. <laughs> there you go. Um, and if you need a surfboard, by the way, realwatersports.com, uh, our longtime sponsors, you could buy one, of course. They have 1,500 boards. They'll ship it to you anywhere in the world, but they're also giving a surfboard away. Uh, they did a giveaway like this last year as well. And they, they're going to call that winner in one month from now. It's uh, September 13th is when they're going to pick them. All you got to do is go on, um, go to their website, water or surf realwatersports.com, click on surfboard giveaway, put your email address in there. That's it. You're entered to win. So you don't have to purchase anything. You just put your email address in and you'll be entered to win. And then you or whoever the winner is gets to select from any of that 1500 board inventory. And they have like paddle guns from Christensen, big board, you know, guns from um, uh, Pizel, Rawson, like big expensive boards that you could select from. So it's a pretty incredible deal. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, Real water sports is kind of like, and I hope they don't, it, for me, it's kind of like Amazon. And I'll explain. Let me explain. Just the other day, I was at the board source looking at boards and they didn't have the exact size. They had the type of board that I was looking for, but they didn't have the exact size. Yeah. So I immediately went and it's kind of like, you know, like when you're looking for like, I don't know, shampoo or something, you type, you just go, oh, I'm going to Amazon to get this really killer, you know, and it's there. And that's the way I feel about real. Like, so because board source didn't have the exact size I was looking for, I immediately took my phone and just went to real water sports and typed in boom, 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 firewire mid six. I want the seven footer. There it was. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and, and I knew like I could have just pushed the button, the board would be at my house right now. Convenience and shipping uh, and full inventory. Yeah. So real, real water sports.com and uh, yeah. Waterways travel.com as well. Heck yeah. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. It is Monday. David, we missed last week due to illness. However, we're back early this week because we've got a big show ahead of you, ahead for you. Um, and it is Monday, therefore, let me say that. And it is August 15th, Monday, the middle of August. Yeah, my apologies for missing last week. We had a real Ironman streak going there, Scott. Um, I don't remember when the last time we missed a show was, but I feel like it's been years. Yeah, it's been a while. And oh my God, this guy just got spit out of the barrel. A sick one. At Puerto? In Puerto Escondido, yeah. Um, early morning light just starting to show probably. Yeah, I better get off this cam and focus on <laughs> our show. <laughs> well, at any rate, I was out last week. Um, as I mentioned on the previous show, I got covid and then it went through our house. And then my mom, who provides childcare, that was the final linchpin because it was staggered, you know, like yeah. it hit me first. And so Lauren could watch the baby and like get a little bit of work done with my mom helping out. But then Lauren got taken out. So then I'm in recovery, but I'm trying to help out with the baby, trying to keep up with work obligations. But then when my mom gets taken out, 
it's like, all right, well, the baby needs our full focus. Work has to get backburnered. But, you know, in one full week, basically, we were able to cycle it through and be back on the road to recovery. So not too bad. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back. We're glad people are more or less getting healthier. And uh, this is a good thing, my friend. We've got a big show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Lots that went on last week. Um, where do we begin? Well, here's where we begin. The boardroom show. The Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks. Let me just tell you real quick. Tickets are it's now on The beginning, the middle, and the end of everything that we discuss on this show. To the Alpha and the Omega. Agreed. Tickets online right now. You can save dollars if you purchase online. We are again offering the sought after and exclusive VIP dinner and a surfboard with icon of foam, Timmy Patterson. There are only eight of these seats available at the, at the dinner table. In fact, actually two of those have already been purchased. We just went online yesterday and two of those VIPs are gone already. We always sell those out. So you're going to want to get in on those early. You get a three course meal from Ranch 45 and Chefs Aaron and Pam Schwartz. Of course, paired with wine, David, you'll like that. Two VIP badges for the full boardroom weekend, a swag bag of random stuff. And here's the kicker, one of the eight shaped blanks that are shaped during the Icons of Foam round one. And David, I don't know if I announced this last time, but we have the shapers. Did I tell you all eight shapers? No, they were not confirmed. Okay, here are the eight shapers. So you can get one of, you'll get one of these boards from these shapers. And of course, it'll be a Timmy Patterson um, replica, you know, one of the boards that we're honoring Timmy with. So here are the shapers. Robert Weiner from Robert's Surfboards. Perfect. Jason Bennett from Chemistry. Of course, defending champion, two-time defending champion, Ryan Birch. Japanese champion, Tokuda-san from Harlem Surfboards. Tico from Brazil. That's all I know. Tico. I think he exists. I've never seen a picture of him. (laughs) (laughs) But this is an international surfboard show, so we like to include internationals. Was that a Timmy pick? All of these are Timmy picks. Oh, okay. Except for the two champions, Tokuda-san and Ryan Birch. Rick Rock, San Clemente. Uh, underground icon from Rock Surfboards, who shapes a lot of boards for himself for Matt Biolas at Lost. Alex Lopez of Alex Lopez Surfboards, of course, son of Jerry Lopez. Matt Kinashita from Kazuma Surfboards from Maui, who you and I are absolute huge fans of Matt's. He does some great YouTube stuff, instructional stuff. Some of the insights that Matt gives. On his uh, Instagram page, uh, are just if you're a, if you're a, a, actually any shaper. In fact, Timmy says he watches Matt stuff all the time and gets really great tips from Matt. But if you're a shaper and uh, you want to get some really great tips on just like the intricate, the nuances, the little things that'll make your shaping um, kind of elevated, you want to check out Matt Kinashita's Kazuma Surfboards Instagram. He's got tons of cool stuff on there. I would, yeah. I- I agree with all of that and beyond, even if you're not a shaper, if you're just a surfer who cares about surfboards, you can glean tons of insights from the stuff that he's talking about. Yeah. So those are the eight shapers. Those are the, um, uh, that's enough about the boardroom show for now. We got a lot more. Uh, one well, last thing. Wait, hold on. Hold the two, two last things. You okay. first, and then I'll ask you something. 
best in show. We're having a huge, massive call for entries for best in show. The category one board this year, big wave guns. Any shaper listening, any shaper around the world can enter. $2,000 is first prize. And um, it's presented by Zio Baffa Organic Italian Wines. So if you're interested in being in best in show, again, anyone in the world can enter. And we want you to enter. And we want to see all these great boards at the boardroom show. So, uh, yeah. Okay, you. And I will hype Zio Baffa, uh, the sponsor of that portion of the boardroom show, because um, Jason Baffa, filmmaker, made a film called Bella Vita probably seven years ago. And it was, he took Connor Coffin, Chris Del Moro. It was actually centered around surfer Chris Del Moro, but um, they have, he's Italian and Jason has Italian heritage as well. He's cousins with Connor Coffin. And so they have Italian heritage and they all go to Italy to kind of track uh, Chris Del Moro's family. Anyways, after the success of that trip and they spent time in a winery and stuff, um, Jason started importing this Zio Baffa wine and at the time I was like, it was like a really small project. They were only importing a tiny bit of it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm into wine and I like what you guys are doing. I'll try it. The wine was phenomenal. And I think it's like biodynamic. It's certainly organic. And um, then I think they got distribution and maybe it's in Whole Foods now. It has some kind of uh, large scale distribution around here. So I see it. Whenever I see it, I grab a bottle or a few. It's always excellent. They make phenomenal wines and they're really reasonably priced. So Anybody who ever sees Zio Baffa out there, they support the boardroom show, so you should support them. But the wines are also really, really good. Oh. Um, the other thing that I was going to ask you about was for listeners who want to get all this info um, fresh the moment it's available about the boardroom show, they should get on your email list. I get that email from you. Uh, how do they do that? Can they sign up on the website? Yes, you can just go to boardroomshow.com and it's on the website. And um, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that what I just said is correct. I'm pretty sure you can sign up for the newsletter. If you can't, that's a massive fail. Okay. Part. Well, if not, I mean, I'm they can sure purchase can. the tickets and then you'll have their email address and that's how you right. build an but, email list. Yeah. Go to boardroomshow.com, all the information about best in show and about buying tickets and all of that stuff. The VIP dinner, all of that stuff is available there. Boardroomshow.com. Cool. Um, so on my notes from the last week or two, there's stuff to discuss regarding the Chopu event and the wild cards mainly that are going to be in that event. Yeah. The, the waiting period's already open. Day one has not run yet. Um, the angriest man in surfing, I think is an interesting topic that we could delve deep into because it relates to experiences that you and I have had and people I think have everywhere in the world. Um, what do you got on your notes? Um, my notes are, um, let me pull them up here. I was looking at my site. My notes are um, Chopu. Yeah. Uh, in injuries and wild cards. Yeah. Um, I've got um, a must-see moment. And I certainly have the angriest man in surfing. Um, that was kind of like news fodder du jour last week. Do we do that first or Chopu? Sure, we can do that first. Let's do the angriest man in surfing. Why don't you start? Why don't you set it up if it even needs to be set up? It seems like yeah, everyone. It, no, it does need to be set up for sure. Um, so this title, the angriest man in surfing, was the title of a video that was posted to TikTok about seven days ago. And um, I'm going to use names just because they, 
they are used throughout, yeah. you know, all of this. And um, the offender, quote unquote, actually has done public interviews and stuff. So anyways, his name is Andy Lyon, and he is the, quote, angriest man in surfing. He's a longtime Malibu local. He kind of literally grew up on the beach at Malibu. His dad has surfed Malibu with all the icons. So Andy grew up um, like in a crib, literally. His parents would put him in a crib on the beach in Malibu. I think that matters in this conversation. Um, Andy's almost 60. He's a local realtor in Malibu. And so he's a local, period, full stop. We had that crazy Hurricane Frank swell, and the waves are pumping for days on end. At the tail end of that swell, after the swell kind of dissipated, is when this incident takes place. And the video shows um, a surfer up and riding. It's kind of, I think it's surfline cam footage. So it's just one stagnant kind of wide angle. And you see a surfer up and riding on a wave. Andy drops in on that surfer, in front of that surfer. And just kind of like cruises, almost like letting that surfer know like, hey, I'm here. I'm waiting for you to kick out, even though you took off first. The surfer who was on the way first comes up to Andy, like bumps rails with him, like pumps and bumps rails with him a couple of times. So Andy, I think he kind of cut backs or something and the other surfer falls. Then Andy kicks out of the wave immediately, almost like to have the confrontation with that surfer. The video doesn't show whether a confrontation happens in the water or not, but cut to a second angle and it shows the first surfer up and riding didn't have a leash on. So his board washed ashore. Andy is now on the beach taking rocks and slamming them on that surfer's board. So the way that the video plays out, it looks like Andy burned that surfer and now he's smashing his board on the beach. Then it shows him taking the surfboard, paddle, paddling it out towards the pier. So the opposite direction of the point where the waves are coming, paddling it out towards the pier and then shoving it off to sea. And um, that's where the video ends. Of course, there's more story that we'll get to, but that's where the video ends. This video was published on TikTok. It went viral. It was then shared on Instagram and I'm sure Facebook titled The Angriest Man in Surfing. And the Instagram account that was created to promote the video was called Andy Lion is a kook. And that's the account that went viral. So it's an account that was created just to uh, out or shame Andy. And within very short order, I think this was on a Friday before Monday, because of the virality of this, um, Andy's agency that he worked for, the real estate agency where he is employed, fired him put out a public statement saying, you know, uh, this is basically bully behavior and we absolutely do not co-sign it. We do not want to be associated it, with it. So we're cutting our ties from that realtor and he's no longer employed by us. Um, Andy's home address was also published in the Instagram comments and the, I think, TikTok comments as well. And so, of course, there's a lot of online vitriol and backlash against the, quote, angriest man in surfing. That's the recap. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I got Did you know all that information? I kind of did. I, I actually, I saw this and I didn't dive too deeply into it because I kind of know what it's all about without having to dive too deep into it, you know? But there's well, probably some Dan, that, yeah, go ahead. Well, what you 
quote know it's all about? Did that jive with what I just said or the recap? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I did. I did enough of a dive to to hear everything. You know, to understand everything you, you just said. So gotcha. it's it's interesting, right? There's so many different ways to look at this. My the first thing I'll say is that uh, I know Andy. I've known Andy for a little while. More like acquaintances. More like we've had. Uh, run-ins in the water <laughs> yeah we have we've had run-ins in the water but they've been uh they've been pretty cool actually at malibu though yeah at malibu okay um you like, gotta give the backstory okay well the backstory explain is explain it i you know for years and years and years i used to surf in um the malibu surf um surfing board. cup yeah the surfing cup and the malibu board riders the longboard contest that they have there they've had two of them there over the and I, every summer i would surf in two of them and um and and if the waves were good andy would just surf during my heat you know <laughs> like he'd be in the water during the heat and he would just <laughs> he would just burn dudes you know but he wouldn't burn me and and it's because okay even more backstory andy used to be on the surfer magazine message board um, like in, you know, the year 2000 and 2001, 2002, right? When broadband and the, and the Surfer Magazine message board, which was sort of like, at that time, it was kind of like the most popular surfing site in surfing, at least around here. Well, it was the first town square for everybody to gather and comment. It was like hanging out in the parking lot at the beach, but for the world's beach. Yeah. It was, and because it was kind of the first one and it, and it, and it had a lot of traction, it was like the hugest parking lot ever. You know what yeah. I mean? It was, and it was before Facebook. It was like, there yeah. was nowhere else to share these conversations yeah, no in the surf community. No. Yeah. 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 You're right. There was really nowhere else. It seemed like it was the biggest thing. I mean, like our, our, our traffic was through the roof, especially relative to the surfer magazine homepage. <laughs> but also as we've learned with this sort of thing, it becomes a little bit toxic. Oh yeah. It, it was extremely <laughs> toxic, but Andy would come on there as the mayor. And I think that was his handle. It was the mayor or the mayor of Malibu or something. I don't know. But anyway, there was some, so that's where it sort of initiated. And um, of course, it, me as the moderator of that thing, I was universally hated as I was like the low hanging fruit that everyone could beat up, which is fine. It comes with the territory. But so I'm in the, so I know Andy a little bit, you know, and in the water during heats, um, Andy would just basically, he would kind of just suss out who he could burn and who he couldn't burn. And, and, and just, I'm sure he would burn me if he could, but I just made sure he couldn't. Let me just put so it to, that way. I'm not saying to, we were friends. I'm just saying he acknowledged who I was and I acknowledged who he was. And it was kind of all. And to clarify, he was not in the contest. He was just right. Interrupting no, he, the contest. He was interrupting. I mean, the, the guys on the megaphone would be like, Andy, we know, come on, Andy. Like, like everyone knew him. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But, but it would be like he would basically in the water, he would be like, hey, there's a good one coming. Tell me which one you want. You know, and I'd be like, I'm taking number two, dude. And he'd be like, OK, you know, and he'd, you know, whatever. Um, but that's really doesn't matter to this. conversation. It does. Yeah, I think it actually does. OK, maybe it does. Because but but I, I want to say this. I want to say that. I look at it like. Andy's. Um, a hardcore local at this spot, right? And um, he surfs there all the time. He grew up there. On some level, 
there, I believe that there needs to be some respect for that in the water. Now, I don't know what that level is. I don't know what that means. I just feel like that should happen. And I think it probably does. Although I will say this, Andy has been laying down his justice out there for so long and so probably indiscriminately that he's kind of either universe, like he's, he's kind of disliked by a lot of people and, um, and so I guess on one side of the equation, I want the surf world to, and I think the surf world does understand that, that longtime locals should get waves, even if it's crowded, how that plays out. I don't know. You know, like, is it really the guy on the inside every time, no matter what, like on some, this all comes down to like the unwritten rules of surf. Okay. And that does matter. And so Andy explained, I listened, he, um, did a quote interview with Derek Riley at Beach Grit and they published it as a podcast. And I say quote interview because I think Derek asked one question in 50 minutes. Actually, he asked two questions. The first question was what happened? And Andy rambled for 25 minutes, actually 19 minutes. And at the 19 minute mark, Derek squeezed in a second question. And that second question was, how's your blood pressure? (laughs) (laughs) Was he just going off? (laughs) Going off just going off for 19 minutes. And Derek literally was like, had to squeeze this in. And he's like, well, bro, how's your blood pressure? And Andy's (laughs) like, it's through the roof. And then went on for another 30 minutes. Uh, So it's not much of an interview. It was Andy rambling for 50 minutes, but um, he explained the context of the situation. The context was this young guy, the internet was saying it was a kid that Andy burned. It wasn't a kid. It was a someone in their mid twenties. So a kid compared to Andy, who's 60, but you know, a full grown adult. And by the way, much bigger than Andy. But he said that the young guy was just super aggressive, just pat like catching every single wave. He had just back paddled Andy caught a wave, surfed past Andy, then paddled past Andy. And that next wave came. And Andy said that he even sounded the guy and was like, I believe it. Like, Hey bro. chill like you are going to get burned you cannot be running laps like this like the next one coming i'm going essentially and sure enough the next wave came that 25 year old whose name by the way i did not see published and so i i can't say and we haven't even heard that guy's story yet or probably won't he probably prefers to stay anonymous anyways (laughs) the 25 year old took off on another wave and andy did exactly what he said he was going to do which was go and andy said where it crossed the line of like uh, physicality was when that guy bumped rails. He's like, look, he came up and he bumped rails with me. And that's an act of aggression and hostility. And it's like, whoa, bro. So I looked at him like, what? And he did it again, like pumped up against him, like trying to force Andy off the wave. And that's when Andy was like, okay, well, you threw the first punch ostensibly, you know? Um, So that's the context that I was just filling in. But let me ask you this. Yeah. You were saying kind of we, I think you were essentially saying we kind of need a regulator or an enforcer. Two questions. Yeah. Is is Mal- Malibu past the point of regulation? And number two, yes, even if we need them, is smashing their board with rocks the right retribution for that scenario? Um, I would say 
answer number one, Malibu is not past the point of um, having a regulator or having regulation. In fact, it probably needs more. Um, is smashing a surfboard, is physical, is a physical altercation um, warranted? I would never do that. I would never physically assault anybody. Um, and, but I guess I would ask this question to you, and I'm not condoning this behavior, but did it do anything? No, because Andy goes on to say that that guy had a second surfboard. So he grabbed the second surfboard, paddled it out to retrieve the first surfboard that Andy pushed out to sea, put that back in his car and then paddled out and continued surfing with the same level of aggression on the second board, burning, like catching every wave, not waiting his turn, all that stuff. Well, I sense that there's probably some backstory between these two. And I'd love to know more about this 25 year old guy. Like it's, Andy it's unfortunate that he, that he's not kind of, you know, let, he's basically allowing for us to just well, throw him into the conversation with a lot of conjecture. We don't really yeah. know his story. Andy um, was not pulling any punches and he did not say that he'd ever interacted with this guy before, yeah. but he absolutely stereotyped probably correctly and fairly a huge segment of population who come blows into Malibu essentially yeah. Yeah. and has no respect or etiquette yeah. and gave actually, I don't think he intended to, but gave five or six examples of other fights and altercations he's got into trying to regulate, <laughs> you know, jocks from Pepperdine or yeah. whatever the story would be um, in the past. And then gave history lessons of, yeah. you know, Bob Simmons made my dad a surfboard. And there, it was a twin fin and Bob had his own twin fin and they were leaning up against the wall. My dad positioned the board that Bob had made for him up against the wall and a wind blew and it actually tipped over and knocked Bob's board over and knocked the fin out of Bob's board. So what did Bob do? He went over and punched the fin out of my dad's surfboard, whom Bob actually made. He made that surfboard. He punched the fin out of the board he made in an act of retribution because my dad put the board, you know, made the mistake. And so this, there's a long legacy of this happening. Uh, that's not a very good example. It, well, I mean, that's, he, that's he just, gave one. He gave one for every decade throughout. Well, I'm sure he did. His I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah. Here's the thing. I think that regulation needs to occur. Um, is it futile at Malibu? Yeah, it, it is. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to occur. Like, we don't know the effect that that's had on a lot of people. There's a lot, there could be some people that are like, well, maybe I should chill out. Maybe, maybe I should yeah. just wait. Maybe I shouldn't do laps. And he's right. There are so many guys that blow through town. And quite frankly, I was one of those guys. And yeah. there's a lot of guys down here in San Diego that all the time are like, we're going up to Malibu. And most yeah. of them are respectful, but I'm sure that there are some who just charge up there and Look, if you're going to surf Malibu every summer, you at some point you have to kind of slow down and be respectful or you're going to catch shit from the guys that surf there all the time. And yeah. this does sound like a guy that just blew through town. He's probably a good surfer. It's a bigger guy with a bigger board. He's probably like on an eight foot board or whatever. And he's just like going to do laps because he knows he's not going to be around for another eight months. He's just going to do it one time a summer. Totally. And, and so that's why I think it's important like that. I think that 
regardless of this, this, this guy went back out and continued his behavior. I think it's going to have an effect, you know? And again, I don't condone it. Um, I'm, I'm against altercations in the water, you know, like, I, I feel like, but unfortunately we've got a bunch of idiots. We've got a ton of absolute fucking idiots. I mean, it is the truth. We got COVID idiots out there. It's ridiculous. It's so it's a hundred percent true. But that doesn't mean that we have to behave like Neanderthals. Like I'm a big fan of transmitting love. I Scott have to transmit love. I don't always do it, but I, that's what I strive for. Like that's the, the top end of the spear is transmitting love. And I don't think physical altercations or any of that stuff. I would much rather like, you know, I think the move would be to paddle up to the guy and sit right next to him and go, Hey, look, you're way bigger than I I am. And I'm quite confident you could beat the shit out of me on the beach if we went in there right now, but the way you're behaving is not okay. And I've actually had that exact conversation numerous times. And I end up, I would say nine and a half times out of 10 becoming friends with the guy and knowing his name and everything turns out better because it was, uh, even though they were disrespectful, you can take the high road and transmit love. Now that's just not Andy's makeup. I know Andy no. well enough to know that he's, and, and just by the, all of the um, examples through the decades that he gave his justification for that, um, you know, well, I, I'm not a fan of that. I th- and I think it's hypocritical, but I, I absolutely understand where Andy's coming from. And in some like, you know, somewhere deep in the dark recesses of my consciousness, I'm kind of semi applauding what he did, even though I'm saying to you out loud and to everyone, that's not the way to do it. I, I guess what I'm saying is I sent, I understand his frustration. That's what I'm saying. I understand Andy's frustration. And for all the people who are like, dude, but it's Malibu, you know, like that's me, true too. Like there are so many layers to this. Yeah. Let me take a stab. I want to tease apart some of my thoughts on yeah. I'm going to blend them probably and uh, not keep them coherent. So jump in at any point if <laughs> you want to. <laughs> welcome to spit. I think I just did great, get, uh, submitted a great example of this. Well, I'll have a number of them and jump in if you want to. Please. I'll, I'll yeah. try not to. Um, I, yes, we relate to his frustration. However, doesn't it seem that Andy's not the guy who I would want teaching my kid etiquette. So it's like, we do need an enforcer, but when you know Andy's backstory, when you hear him tell these other stories, when you hear him even just tell this story, it's like, okay, cool. I agree. We need an enforcer. You're not the one who I trust to be discerning. You're not the one who I think will be making the most prudent decision every step of the way. In fact, your behavior is going to undermine the argument for regulation because it's a little too wily, you know? And, and I know that Andy has like these very clear lines of justification why he's making each of these discernments, but they only apply to him and his experience. The question of is Malibu regulatable at this point? Every single individual out there has their own Uh, criteria for where it's justifiable and what. And so Andy thinking, okay. And let me, by the way, 
I'll continue that thought, but use this to prop it up is him telling stories of every decade along the way. Hey, this happened with my dad. And so there's a history of this. And that's why we're continuing this history now. Well, look, you don't have to be a sociologist to understand that what's appropriate in a group of five people, what behavior is appropriate in a group of five people isn't necessarily the same as a group of 50 people. And what's appropriate for a group of 50 people isn't the same as a group for 500 people. Forget about like social mores of the time and of the decade and all that kind of stuff. So physical violence might have been justifiable at some point because it served a purpose and it corrected the behavior of the rest of the tribe and all that sort of stuff. But at this point, Malibu is absolutely not regulatable in that way. And so that other person whose who's board Andy smashed had his own awareness and calculus that he was running. And he's going, I, he's maybe he's regulating kooks on soft tops in his own way by doing what he was doing. And that's justifiable to him in his mind. And Andy's this outlier who's way extreme and so you to think that Andy can account for all of the different scenarios going right. on and then imposing a regulation for everybody that everybody's going to adhere to is but completely wait. asinine. Okay, here's the thing, though, is that this guy did not one but two rail bumps at, on Andy after Andy said, dude, you're not going again. I'm going. Now, Anyone who's surfed Malibu knows that there's often two, three, four guys on a wave and rarely do you bump. Like that's where you, you like, there's a lot of surfing up next to the guy, but you don't physically touch the guy's board on purpose. And when you do that, I get it. That's kind of like gloves off. Like, dude, yeah. I told you we're going to ride together. That's fine too. But once you start attacking my rail with your surfboard, cause you're good enough to do it and you do it yeah. twice then well okay guess what um again in andy's mind it's time for a rock in your surfboard and the board being pushed out to the middle of the pier which i'm kind of like it's not what i would do but i understand yeah well that's presuming that the surfer intentionally bumped rails he could have been kooky enough to where he accidentally bumped rails i don't think so i saw the video i think yeah i knew what he was doing okay but well, again, they're, uh, they're, that's the problem it, with it, not getting the other guy's side of the story. Is that and that's now also, you and I are just throwing assumptions and conjecture in where we don't really understand. And I question why this guy hasn't kind of like stepped up and went, yeah, I made the Instagram account or actually here's my version of the story. Uh, and I also understand why he might want not want to do that. And he's like, dude, I'm yeah. out of here. I'm from Ventura. See you later. Bye. I don't want to even. Totally. Um, so. I kind of agree with everything that you said about, I think regulation in the lineup is good. I think we do need enforcers. Things are way out of hand. Everybody can relate to Andy's frustration. Also importantly, Andy's a local. He's been there since he was a kid. So he, he does have some sort of right to the set waves and all that stuff. Um, but the Malibu is all about blow-ins. It's on PCH. It's at the epicenter of a concrete jungle. And so for Andy to kind of, he, again, it's a very futile effort for him to think I'm going to stave off these literal millions of people who are going to come. And by the way, who are also fully entitled to coming to that beach and they have to go. I think that they do have to go through some unwritten rites of passages. 
in order to get a wave in that lineup, but they're fully entitled to come to that beach and to start at the beginning. For Andy to think that there aren't going to be missteps in the, uh, you know, learning class for those people. Yeah. yeah. And for him to think that the appropriate retribution is this old school kind of Let's see, violence. I think, I think that is is kind of delusional of him. Like, I understand why he wants to. I understand that he comes from that world. But to think that there's any justification for it in this one scenario. By the way, I'm not saying that what I'm saying applies to Central California or places that are off the beaten path or anything like that, because those all have their own rules. But Malibu specifically, it's like, I'm not saying what he did was wrong. I'm saying for him to think that it's justifiable or to try to defend it, I think is delusional because he's going to run into this 10 times a session. Well, I agree. It must be extremely exhausting. I could never do that. I would quit surfing if my, if part of my surfing life was to lay down laws. Like I have, that's why I surf by myself. Cause I don't want to have to go, dude, really? You know, like I just, that's not why I go surfing. Well, but, but in this specific case, as you and I've both discussed, this guy knew what he was doing. Wasn't from Malibu because Andy would have known him. Um, and obviously didn't know who Andy was because he rocked rails against him twice. Like if you've done any amount of surfing at Malibu, if Andy drops in on you, just surf the wave and, and do the turns where you can do the turns or kick out. Yeah. But, you know, like at some point you have, you have the understanding that, oh, this is one of the alpha males. And so I'm not going to like ride into his rail twice because that would be just silly and it would probably lead to, you know, a bad situation. And I, I, will, I will say this too, is that regulation, especially at Malibu, requires more than Andy Lyons. There are a number of people out there that are doing it in specific ways. And Andy's just one like um, thread of the web that is, we need to kind of keep things under control here. And granted, yeah. you're right, the surfing mores there have changed. I mean, the bottom line is three or four guys on a wave at Malibu is normal and expected. Yeah. And agreed. Well, again, you say there's a web of people and yeah, there's like, I um, could, well, what's, well, let me, what's her name's <clears throat> dad who recently sadly died. Um, there was so many gnarly enforcer guys at Malibu. Like Andy okay, is but, in a long line of guys that were my pretty, point is yeah. with any of those, we would have to give the specific example and I could either say, yes, what that guy's doing is appropriate or inappropriate. And what I started by saying was, yes, we do need regulators and enforcers. Unfortunately, with all this information about Andy, he is not the one who I want he, to teach right. my kid right. etiquette. Well, I don't if want my any kid, of those guys to teach my kid etiquette. I want to teach that, my kid I, etiquette. Well, I disagree. Yes, of course, I'm going to be the primary etiquette teacher. But if my kid goes and surfs Malibu and there is an enforcer who has to put my kid in check at some point. There are probably versions of that that I would agree with. And I'd be like, hey, thanks for putting my kid in check. He was out of line. Yeah, what I'm saying is Andy Andy doesn't fit that criteria I don't based on all the information well I had about him. Well, well I, I would say you're this, right. I don't that, know him personally. You're absolutely And right. I don't either. And I don't either. I just know him sort of through, you know, just randomly. But I have seen his act long enough to know that if your kid or my kid paddled out at Malibu 
Andy and did something that Andy didn't agree with. He's not going to throw a rock through his port. He, he's basically just going to burn him incessantly until the kid goes, oh, that's a guy I shouldn't deal with because he's obviously like the local guy that everyone's just putting up with. And yeah. your kid and my kid would like know to not ride up and bump rails on him twice in a row because it's probably going to lead to a bad situation for one of us for either him or for my kid, you know, like, so that's my point is that um, now I wouldn't want my kid to uh, emulate any of that behavior. Of course. At all. Yeah, no, of course. But I, all I'm saying is there's a, and there's a bunch of guys at Malibu. He's not alone. You know, there's yeah, but a, like quite a, a few guys like, like Josh Farber, <laughs> like the Marshall brothers, like they all have their own way of each one of them has a separate thread that forms this web that is like this is not okay or this is you know welcome well, here we go this is what it's all about dude that's the exact crux of this whole conversation to me is there's ways that are okay and there's ways that are uh past the line of acceptability and that's what i'm suggesting is that yes yeah, some of those i would agree with we'd have to analyze each of them individually this particular version i disagree with and I, I don't agree. think it's appropriate. I, I'm with you. I've I don't think this one's appropriate. Either. And then when you either. when I understand the context and you tell me your stories of Andy and I listen to 50 minutes of him ranting, I go, <laughs> hey, this turns out this guy uh, is he's, he's incriminating him. He's incriminating himself. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's not who I want. I want the forcer, the enforcers yeah. to have the same background he has in terms of legacy with the spot, but not um, but to have more prudence to have more discernment to have a more level-headedness to be able to run a little bit more sophisticated calculus than it appears that andy is running well, that's say, my problem i agree with, with this scenario. i totally agree i totally agree and let me say this too that the enforcers at malibu from back in the day many of them were large men that didn't even have to the thing with andy he's like five nine a buck fifty <clears throat> he's not a big guy and so he's got that working against him in regards to trying to be the alpha male. So yeah. back in the day, um, who's, uh, I forget, uh, uh, the, the uh, longboarder gal who, whose dad was a gnarly enforcer guy there. Anyway, I forget. Well, um, but anyway, they were all, my point is they were all large gorilla types at Malibu that wouldn't need to put a rock through your board because you wouldn't have they would have paddled up to you and said, Hey, you know, like go in or I'm going to pound you right now. <laughs> like, like, you know, how you're right. able to... whereas I think Andy's kind of got his size thing working against him. So all he can do is be sort of the wily, um, you know, paddle monster that he kind of yeah. is. And again, I think at a certain time that was appropriate behavior and that was effective behavior and it corrected the culture and all that sort of stuff. But the way that Andy's applying these old mores now is entirely different and it's ineffective. And the only, the real result of all of this yeah. is that the title of the TikTok is a hundred percent true. This is the angriest man in surfing. So the result <laughs> of all of this is that Andy has blood pressure through the roof yeah. and he's unhappy and he's yeah. not enjoying surfing yeah. and he's only thinking about the way that it used to be and why is it not this way anymore? Yeah. So that I agree. I agree. That's well, the that's the subtext of all of this is like Well, it's sad. Dude, dude, you are making yourself miserable. Yeah. Because of what I said previously is it's delusional. 
to understand that this is a metropolis and everybody's funneling to this one spot and you're treating it like it's the Garden of Eden from way back in the past yeah. and trying to protect the Garden of Eden, it's futile and you're only going to drive your blood pressure through the roof yeah. and not enjoy the thing that you're so committed to doing for, you yeah. know? So that's the crux of it where I feel bad for Andy and I'm shocked that he doesn't recognize that detail. You I know? think he's, he's all in, you know, <clears throat> like to backpedal now, uh, this part of it in his life is just, it's, it's, uh, it's a big ask to change his ways and his whole kind of trip, you know, like, yeah, it, you know, well, but I have anyway, two, yeah, two additional questions about this that okay. aren't about you hold on because I, I have to go get my dog take care of. Yeah, let's do it. Commercial break. And then we'll be right back with more Andy Lyons, Angriest Man of Surfing. <laughs> Athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal for you to get uh, support our work. You'll also get one year free of vitamin D supply. It is foundational nutrition that you can count on. It fills the nutrient gaps in your diet, promotes gut health, supports whole body vitality with AG1. I love my AG1 and I'm going to give you a pro tip. Take your AG1, store it in the refrigerator. Yes. Make sure that it's nice and dry in your refrigerator. That's the hot tip for the AG1. Athletic greens, drink it, love it, live it. Absolutely. And one daily serving delivers comprehensive blend of nine products. So you might have supplements and pills on the counter, maybe juices, maybe other powders. You can eliminate nine of them because this has multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens. They all work together to deliver the strongest foundation for better help. So get on board with us and a lot of listeners and a lot of the surf biz, by the way. Um, I know a ton of people, shapers and surfers who are on this we saw it on Kanoa Igarashi's back uh, on his counter in that uh, make or break series on Apple TV. So everybody's using it. Get on board. Use our portal, athleticgreens.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
And you were saying. Yeah. So two final questions for you that um, aren't about Andy specifically. Yeah. He was fired for this. Yeah. Um, how, what are your thoughts on, and his address was published and that sort of stuff. So what are your thoughts on him being fired? Is that a justifiable response from his employer? Well, I will say this. I, I, we don't know the situation, but I'll give you my gut on that. My gut on that is that my, I sense that this isn't the first time that his workplace has been notified about Andy's behavior because this isn't like a one-off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so I'm sure this might've been a situation where they're like, okay, Andy, come on. That's it. You know, we got to let you go. This is it. You know, yeah. you're making us look bad. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, but the whole like canceling thing with putting people's addresses out there to me, that's not, that's kind of doing what Andy does. Exactly. In, a, in a weird way and so it's it not is. it's i don't condone that i it's not transmitting love you know it's not you know it's just not okay it, and it's well it's i you know it shows a, a real lack of humility and a lack of of empathy and it's hard to put yourself in in those shoes you know it, it's not a comfortable place but it's, it's not cool to publish people's addresses in a and you know, for, for, uh, for negative consequences to then occur. So leads me to my final question is whoever created this TikTok, who I also is anonymous. We don't know who created this account. I think that's bullshit. I think you got, so this, it. this person put a bunch of effort into this edit with yeah. the title and creating the accounts and all of it and anonymously published it to shame. Yeah. Andy, uh, who is that person and what are your thoughts on that? You know person? what? I, here's the funny thing. That person could very well be a Malibu local. <laughs> like it wouldn't surprise me if that'd this be was, hilarious. If this was one of the guys. Cause, cause you know, Andy's tolerated by some he's, a, he, he's accepted by all he's tolerated by some, again, I'm speaking from a place of, I don't know too much about it. I don't surf Malibu. I'll probably never surf Malibu again. The only reason I did surf it was because I could surf it by myself in the heat, um, which was, by the way, great incentive to do well in your heat, just to keep on going. So, but uh, what I was getting at is, that, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if there's a, like some locals that are like, oh, my God, we got because those guys are all right there with their cameras and they know all about what's going on. And it's there. And, 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 and they might have also published it kind of like tongue in cheek, like Andy's our friend. Let's terrorize him. You know, like this will be funny. You know, but I, I didn't actually see the TikTok. So it sounds like there was a lot of uh, vinegar and spite and um, and anger in the production of this video. Not like yeah, a, the, the uh, caption, the caption was outing him with yeah. his address, like his full name, where he works. Out, like uh -huh, yeah, basically it was, right. it was meant it was apparent that the post in the video was meant to create a online a tsunami of hatred towards this person. And they effectively, I think, uh, did that. Let me ask you this. Did, did Joel chime in on any of this? I didn't see anything from Joel. This seemed like a place where Joel would chime in, but I didn't or... see anything from him, but I'm sure he had an opinion on it. Um, <laughs> you think? 
Yeah. Um, but I, so my final thought on those couple questions is in line with yours. I think that publishing any of this, whether it be the video or his address or any of that is actually perhaps the biggest offense in this whole conversation, Agreed. in this whole incident. Um, these things happen in the water all the time, everywhere around the world. And I think they pretty much get resolved before both people leave the beach by and large. And sometimes it's one of them with their tail between their legs. Sometimes it's with a handshake, but the incident, you're never going to avoid incidents. Incidents are going to occur. What you can avoid is bully. I mean, I hate to even use the word bullying, but like these online bullying campaigns, the doxing, you know, the cancellation of somebody, uh, yeah. I think is way too much punishment for the act, the incident, the original incident itself. Yeah. So, and the type of person who does that, like goes through that much effort anonymously yeah. and doesn't put their own name on it, I think yeah. is just a questionable person. Like yeah. that's not the, per this society has allowed that person to exist and hide and Let me point ask fingers this. and create little fires and stuff. And Here, I'm not cool with any of that. I agree. And here's an interesting little take on that. Let's say we found out that the person that did it was in fact the guy who's was got in a tangle with Andy. Do you now, are you now okay with the rock going through his board? <laughs> I retroactively approved yeah. the rock. Yes. <laughs> it, it was as if, it, it was as if Andy, that guy is a kook. Andy was right. <laughs> Andy was right. God dang it. That calculated calculus is way more sophisticated than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah. He knew this guy was a kook. Well, we do know this on all levels. Whoever did that is also a kook. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Anonymously. Well, sadly, but, let's hope that it, we never have to deal with this stuff again. I do appreciate what you're we, saying. Though. Let's leave it at the beach. Like let's leave all this stuff at the beach, resolve it at the beach, you know? Um, and Andy, did imply in his conversation with um with Derek Riley at Beach Grit, he implied that there was a resolution on the beach afterwards. Like he crossed paths with that other guy, yeah. and that other guy seemed to like uh oh, like almost puff up a little bit, like, hey, what like do you want to like have continue this argument? And Andy was like, No, dude, it's over. Like it happened in the water. I smashed your board. I sent it out to see you got your board back. It's done. Now you have to get your board fixed. I have to get my board fixed. Like we're even essentially. And Andy left. So I don't know if that's fully resolution for the other guy or not, but um, it didn't need to go online after that. Didn't need to go viral. Yeah. it's. An, I hope those guys make peace. I mean, that would be really a cool way to end this whole thing as if there was some sort of peace made up, you know, like, but, well, the problem, again, the problem for Andy is I don't know if he's ever going to have internal peace. Even if he shakes hands with that guy, he's just going to get angry at the person who cut him off on his drive home. I've told you this story before, and I'll, this is kind of a fitting place for it. But around, I want to say, like 2002, 2003, right when I got, um, I was working at Surfer Magazine. I had been working there for three or four years. And I was really full of myself in the water. Um, I was not the person that I am today or that I want to be. And I would um, 
you know, I would burn guys. I would cut people off if I didn't, if they weren't a part of the local crew, I would burn guys. And I'm not proud of this behavior at all. And I'm telling you that now. Mm -hmm. um, and at one point I burned this guy who was pretty big and I burned him over and over because he was, well, it doesn't matter why it was wrong, whatever, it, you know what I mean? It was wrong yeah. what I did. And he got so pissed that he paddled up to me like real close and he was just fuming and he said some things to me and I said some things back, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he went like this with his fist. He went like right, like an inch away from my face and stopped. And he would have smashed my face in. Yeah. Right. And, and it was jarring to me. It shook me internally. And then a bunch of the local guys all saw it go down and they all paddled around and sort of were like, give, you know, like, dude, back off or whatever. But the point is, is that it was, um, it was extremely emotional for me. Like I was like, fuck, you know, like, and even today when I talk about it, it brings up emotion with me. And so for a long time, I was like, I would see this guy, like I would see him at Swami's, you know, and I would find out about him. And um, ends up he's like, you know, from like New Jersey or something. But the thing is, I'm from North Carolina. Like I didn't grow up in Cardiff, you know, like I, I moved here when I was 12. Like I'm not like yeah. Andy is at Malibu. I wasn't in a crib. I'm just as much of a transplant as he is. I just transplanted sooner, you know? Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that I would see him at Cardiff or no, I would see him at Swami's because he was kind of a regular at Swami's and he would just be like, well, you know, like we'd have a few little puffy moments, but nothing too crazy. And I realized that I just couldn't surf in peace yeah. anymore. Totally. I might see this guy wherever, you know, and I yeah. had to make amends with this guy, you know, and I, a few years later out at Swami's, he was out and internally, I'm like, I got to tell this guy, I'm sorry that my behavior wasn't okay, that I'm trying to live a different way. And and I, I mean, it was like, I was even telling a friend of mine in the water that day, like just that guy out there, I'm not even paddling outside because that guy's out there and I'm not going to feel yeah. comfortable. And, and I got to have to, I got to talk to this guy, you know? And sure enough, right after I had told that to my friend, that guy caught a set wave and kicked out right next to me, like full God shot. And I said, Hey, I need to talk to you. And we talked. And I said, all the things that I told you that I'm, I'm sorry about the way I behaved back then. And I'm, you know, I was an idiot. And, and he goes, you know what? He put out his hand. His name's, I think his name's John, as I recall, I might be wrong. He said, dude, let's go out there and catch some waves together. Let's go have fun. And it was like the most, um, Cathartic. You know, like, yes, thank you. And it was, um, it was meaningful. And it's, and it's a story I share with some people that I mentor to this day about what it means to, change your life you know yeah um, and hopefully andy i don't know if it takes a lot of humility it was it took a lot for me to go hey i mean really what it took was i knew i wasn't going to surf in peace whenever i saw the guy and i had to change that and i owed him an, an amends yeah the it's an interesting couple of thoughts but it's an interesting move for him to like feign a punch and stop it right in front of your face because it's like letting you know I'm in control and I'm allowing you to survive without a broken orbital socket right now. Like 
now live with that you know and he could have broke your orbital socket and you would have had to live with that too but there was almost a it's a more powerful way to let you know that i'm in control enough to not do it but i could do it you know um but the other thought i had is i haven't been in a fight in a very very long time but i had been in fights when i was younger and it actually resolves everything instantly you know and i'm it's kind of like you purge it all in that moment and you can then hug. You almost want to hug the person who you got in a fight <laughs> with. You know what I mean? It's almost like, Hey, I guess, okay. Yeah. I blew it all off. I'm in my refractory. Now <laughs> we can, we can hug and just like, see a lot more clearly moving on with my life. You know, it's yeah. almost, and I don't know if it requires a punch to hit that release. Yeah. Or, well, it's funny, or like what? when you see animals in nature, like, you know, like they'll, they'll be a little scuffle, two tigers, two hippos, two whatever, you know, yeah, that's they'll, true. Be, they'll be a little like, you're like, oh my God, these guys are going at it. And then they just kind of, it, it all resets. Done. And, yeah, done. It's done. Cause carrying that resentment that you're talking about and that negative energy for months on end or whatever is almost it's the worst case scenario. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I think and you, that's what you, Andy carries. That's the sad part. Like I, that's I hope. The, yeah, that's, that's the, the title of the video, dude. That's yeah, exhausting. And and you carry that into your family conversations. You know, it's like oh, you come it, home it that owns day. You. It owns, owns your you. space. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a horrible place to live. And Yeah, so if, and if here's nothing... the thing, the bottom line with that is the classic phrase that we'd rather be right than to be free. And to be free, sometimes you have to admit you're not right, that you're wrong. Yeah, good. Well, I think that this conversation maybe can be um, a learning experience for a lot of listeners, you know, who are like, ultimately, they don't want to live with that level of anger or whatever. So maybe it'll adjust behavior of listenership henceforth. Yeah. We'll, hope. we'll hope so. I, I have high-minded goal aspirations I, I, for I spit. Know. Dude, I, every, every single day I have to try to, you know, it's a, it's a constant struggle. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about Chopu. Okay, Chopu. Oh my God! First of all, it's going to be pumping. Good. I, it's going to be pumping. Um, probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They might run heats tomorrow. They might run heats today, frankly. But if they don't run heats on the biggest days, David, how how disappointed are you going to be? Let me tell you. Let me pull up Chopu right now for you and give you some insight. What Surfline is saying about the surfing conditions. Okay. I'm ready for it. Okay. Monday. Today. By the way, I looked at it yesterday. It didn't look too good. Here's what's going on. Today, it's three to five feet, four to six feet. Um, waist to head high. Could be overhead by sunset tonight. Tomorrow, fair winds in the morning, five to seven feet, two feet overhead. There could be some wind, issue, wind issues. They're even saying tomorrow afternoon is going to blow out. Wednesday, fair to good. Not just fair, fair to good. Five to eight feet, well overhead. In the afternoon, eight to 12 feet, two times overhead on Wednesday. On Thursday, Surfline gives it orange, good, good, 10 to 15 feet, two to three times overhead. Offshore perfect winds, eight to 12 feet by the afternoon. 
Thursday is going to be the day. And um, I don't see how, according to these conditions and this forecast, they don't have an all-day event on Thursday. That's the day to tune in to watch. Clear your calendars uh, for Thursday. And Friday, just as good. A little bit smaller. starts to drop. I could see Friday being a finals day. Yeah, they need those. Those that's the exact window they need to run this size event <clears throat> after the cut. So yeah, opening opening round on Wednesday, full day of comp on Thursday, finish it Friday morning. Thursday, super solid. If they say it's ten to fifteen, it's going to be eight to ten with some twelve foot sets. It'll be and totally by- paddleable. It will be paddleable, and it'll be offshore all day long. But that's kind of as big as you would hope to get. Right. Um, totally. Before it gets to that level of like specialty yeah. surfers, it's going to be like Andy Iron style. You got to charge. Put, and this is why the reason we start with the forecast is because when you look at the injuries and in the wild cards, which is the next thing on my list here, um, the wild cards are fascinating. Every single one of these wild cards, I think, could win this event. And let's go with Yago Dora. Could Yago Dora win this event? If everything falls into place, yeah. I think he's got the competitive chops to do it. I mean, does he charge? We will see. But Nathan Hedge. Nathan Hedge, who I was laughing. I was just going, there's no, how in the hell is Nathan Hedge a wild card here? Nathan Hedge could win easily at well, 10 foot, 8 foot choker. If it's yeah. just a pull, who's got nuts and who can pull into an insane big girl? Of course. He's got tons of experience. He's been in many, many contests out there. Uh, Michelle Perez, I don't think could win it for whatever reason. He's almost too close to it. Um, Kalu Vast, could he get through three days of competition in an eight-foot chopu? If he, I think if he survives the first day when it's pumping. Yeah, I mean, I would bet on him over Michelle Perez, over Yago Dora, maybe even over Nathan Hedge. He's the local. He's the local wild card. He's the trials winner. I agree. Yeah. So those four guys, like if you're playing Survival League, for instance, if that that's this is the last event for survival, right? Is this the last? Yeah. I mean, one of those guys. If you've picked all your guys, and John, John, and Gabe are out, and Ela, and you've picked, you know, you've picked all the the play players, and you're left with a choice between like, I don't know, Miguel Pupo and Nathan Hedge. I might take Nathan Hedge here as a dice roll. You know, Nathan's an interesting pick. This one got a lot of internet banter as well because he's, um, he's, he's long in the tooth, you know, like he's, it's easy to say like he was a competitor back in the day and he's past his prime. But if you actually look at his surfing, He's as fit as he's ever been. He's absolutely still shredding when you look at modern footage of him surfing yesterday. And to your point, he has more balls, bravado, and I would even say craziness, like an actual screw loose in big surf like that, that I have not seen 90% of the CT surfers have. And that's what you need when Chopu gets to this level or pipeline or anything like that. So that that wild, literal wild card kind of crazy factor is what you want for a forecast like this. And and, uh, and Nathan as a wild card is interesting because when you put yourself in the position of like the outer known guys like Kelly and his team and the WSL and you're like, who who should we get as a wild card? Normally you're thinking, 
let's get Eli Hanneman. Let's get some 13 year old shredder kid. You know, like when you're thinking about a France wild card or a wild card at lowers or a wild card, wherever, that's just like a normal wave, like bells or whatever. You're like, let's get the local Victorian kid that rips. That's the juniors champion or whatever, you know, but when you're in this position at Chopu and you're like, who's the wild card? You say to yourself, well, if it's eight to 12 feet, do we want to put one of these people in that position? Why don't we get somebody that can, <clears throat> that's like obvious that we saw yesterday, absolutely killing it. Well, and so Nathan Hedge comes into play. Well, no, if they would have applied that logic, somebody yeah. we saw yesterday, they would have picked Matahi Drole. Well, yeah, I mean. They would have picked you, a local. Well, well you got to figure it's an outer known Tahitian. guy. Nathan Hedge well, is an outer known guy. That's what I'm saying. Like if you, so if that's the problem their, with this. If you're in their shoes, they're like, we need an outer known guy or a friend of the outer known, like a, you know. Yes. Like Dorian's kid or, you know, like a friend of Kelly's, Kelly's nephew. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that, so that's the exact thing that we haven't stated yet is that this is the sponsor's pick. So outer known is sponsoring the event. They get to pick a wild right, card. Right. And that was the cal- That was what filter they ran this decision through. Right, Nathan which is Hedge, what I'm saying, which is what I'm saying. Yeah. Nathan Hedge is an outer known team writer. And so that's why he's, but I really question that entire concept. Like the WSL might want to work that into the contract at some point where you don't really get a do- say. You, do you not don't. Get a I mean, yeah. it's pay for play, which I don't yeah. think is really, I think there's a conflict of interest there. Yes, you're entitled to, or your sponsoring of the event entitles you to whatever, but paying to get one of your athletes in undermines the WSL's original goal, which is, yeah, the integrity of putting the best surfer, finding out who the best surfer in the world is in the best waves in the world. That should be their goal. And I know that isn't their goal, as we've stated over and over, but Matahi Drolet would be the right pick for this event. Well, you stop. know what their argument is to Matahi Drole, don't you? Is no. that he had a chance. Didn't he have a chance in the trials? Yes. So I'm sure but, I don't agree with that. I'm just saying that's probably when you, if you were to go, well, what about him? They would say, well, he did get a chance in the trials and he didn't. Fulfill. Right. And in, and in the trials, there could have been four finalists who are all more qualified and better than any one of the surfers on the CT. For sure. And, there's and so, e- easily you could handpick four Tahitian locals. Yeah, easily. which is where they, which is, I mean, you could probably pick had Vitea David. You could, I mean, he's yeah. probably still getting shacks out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Nathan Hedge is a great pick for the reasons you've already stated, but also a questionable pick, um, or not necessarily the best pick if the goal was just to have the best surfers in the world surfing the best waves in the world yeah. and the most qualified locals. Um, but whatever, neither here nor there. Uh, Chloe By the Dino, way. Oh yeah. Go ahead. So Nathan hedge is replacing Gabriel Medina, Yago Dora, who you mentioned, he's replacing Chloe and Dino. Um, questionable pulling out like Chloe and Dino. The reason he claimed that he's pulling out of this event is that he wants to get his ear drilled you know, he has surfers here or whatever. Um, but no. I'm wondering, all, what's the backstory? Well, I don't know the backstory, but I know that every time I get my ears drilled, I think about what time of year I want them drilled. <laughs> because I, Yeah, and it's guess not what? before if you live in, Yeah, well, and that, but if you live in Southern California, you don't get it done in September. That's like the best time of the year for surfing. You get it yeah. done in, in the spring. You get it done in February. 
That's the best time. The winter swells are dying. There's no swell on the horizon. The water's cold. Get your ears drilled in February or March. Well, I don't know if you saw Chloe Andino's performance at the U.S. Open, but he lost a kind of last second um, buzzer beater, lost in an early round to a, I forget who, like kind of a no name. Um, and on his way up the beach, he smashed his board in front of the crowd, in front of the cameras, all of this stuff. And Ooh. so, yeah, absolutely smashed it against like the the um, stands, the grandstands. So is there a fine coming? Yes. So the WSL has a couple of tiers of um, consequence. Equipment abuse, including someone's own equipment in the event or event site. The first violation is $1,000. Second violation is $1,500. Third violation is $2,000 with a suspension and or expulsion. Uh, and possible penalties are given for the severity of the repetitive or, or the repetitiveness of the violation. So Kaloe absolutely violated that rule. He did uh, smash his own equipment. Equipment abuse is what they call it. And so this is subject to fine. I don't know if this was his first, second or third infraction, but it would be interesting if it was his third infraction, if the WSL actually suspended him from this event I don't think that they did because they would state that, I guess, or or they nobody else would hold them accountable to it. Right. It's not like we would pull up the rule book and be like, hey, why isn't Chloe Andino suspended from Tahiti? Shame on him. Shame on you. I think they could just let it slide without anybody saying anything. But it is odd that he would pull out of such a kind of amazing event. Like this is the event that you would hope to surf if you're a professional surfer. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think, um, you know, like as an outsider and I don't know what's going on there, but I, I sense that, I mean, his trajectory is, is going down quick, right? Is like, is Chloe done? Yeah. I mean, in your eyes. Yeah. Yes. I have more to say, but yes. What is it? Well, uh, sure. He could, regroup and have a second wind and all that but chloe and dino had all the potential in the world he's been on tour for a decade now it's not that he's never been in contention for a world title he's never even won a single event yeah so we have examples of people who have not fulfilled their world title potential with julian wilson with taj burrow uh, there's a list that can be made. All of those people won events. You know what I mean? To not have won a single event is pretty damning. And that's a pretty far under uh, delivery of the potential that was heaped upon him. So I think he has, I think he has all the talent in the world. He actually has kind of the, the toolbox. He has airs, he has rail game. He has, he surfs big uh, reef waves. Well, so I don't know what the missing component is other than just steely too much, too tenacity. Soon. Yeah. Too much, I think that could soon. be it. Yeah. It's sort of like the Jordy story of all of these guys that get too much too soon. There's and no, you know, you're, you're living so large at such a young age that there's no, none of that Brazilian tenacity. Yeah. There's no drive. Moxie, there's no drive. Yeah. There's none of that. If I don't do this, I'm going to be working you know, as a bricklayer or whatever, not that there's anything wrong with work because God honors all work, but 
and especially well, bricklaying. bricklaying is it, God's labor. But to your point, it would actually um, inform Kaloe a little bit better in his world title campaign if he had to lay some bricks when he was 17. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's go back. He's, he's, he's not having a great year, is the point. He's having actually one of his worst years in a while. And yeah. so, and there's no consequence for him missing an event because he's already made the cut for next year. So to him, it's like, it there's no like stakes. The, this, this incident at the U S open that I didn't know about seems like the, um, the proverbial icing on the cake. Yeah. Well, speaking of suspensions and U S open, Joel Tudor was nowhere to be seen, uh, for the duct tape invitational at the U S open. In fact, I heard he was sitting down the beach, part of his suspension is that he's not allowed on the event site. And so he actually showed up to watch the duct tape, but he had to sit down the beach outside of the event site. So I think that's worth discussing. I think it's actually newsworthy because he invented the event. He actually, it would behoove the WSL to actually have him involved in the event. And the punishment that they've laid out for him, I think is punitive and has to do more with him calling out Jesse Miley Dyer than it has to do with the infraction against the rule book itself. And I think that's problematic. Do you think with this new commissioner that we're going to see what I would characterize as a, a devolving or a de-evolution of the longboard judging policy, the, the, the format for judging as was instituted by Devin Howard and sort of with the, um, you know, the sort of the tutorial yeah. eye, yes. the tutorial <laughs> eye of Joel Tudor. Yes. So here's my thoughts on <laughs> you that. Can, you, by the way, you can edit out that long pause. <laughs> <laughs> here's my thoughts on that. I don't know the new uh, commissioner. She's, she's uh, from the west side of Oahu. She's a Makaha yes. girl. And she and she's um, a performance. She rides a performance longboard. So I'm told. I do know those things. I don't know enough about her uh, qualifications, like her actual resume. And then I also don't know enough about what her ambition. Well, there was one line in her press release, David, that said that she was. The very last line was like, she's looking forward to seeing the judging criteria. Oof. Like it said, it was just vague enough to make me go, uh oh, you know, the judging criteria might have been evolve or move forward, but keeping the traditional, you know, like it was like there was like well, this move forward thing. Okay. So, what I will scary. say is everybody listening knows you and I are both friends with Devin Howard. And so, what I say in this next portion, I will not say whether these are Devin's sentiments or my own. So, <laughs> Take it with a take it, uh, interpret it as you will, but know that we've had these conversations with Devin off air. So here's my concern Devin had very specific vision and drive for that longboard tour, and one that had the surfer's interest at heart and the uh, kind of promote getting them in the best waves, getting the most events for them to surf and also getting the best surfers in those events like Joel Tudor, let's say. 
That's what his entire drive was. And he succeeded to a certain degree. And he also succeeded in what you're saying, kind of adjusting the judging criteria to reflect traditional longboarding. He was met with a lot of opposition in those efforts. And so he felt like his hands were tied in a lot of his decision-making and his ambition. And he only achieved a certain degree of what he set out to do. Ultimately, him leaving may or may not have had to do with his hands being tied in a lot of those ways and feeling like, you know, my reputation is going to be on the line if I don't push this in the direction that I think it needs to go for surfing. So my concern now is that the new commissioner is a yes person and the new commissioner is going to do what the WSL uh, wants for their own business objectives and not necessarily what's best for the surfers or for the audience. I don't know what her objective is. I don't know what her ambitions are. My concern is that she doesn't have as much drive and focus on an end goal that Devin had, despite what the corporation is asking of her. That's my concern. Yeah, I agree. And, and I did speak with Devin and, um, he's a big fan of hers. I don't know her. I don't even know her name, um, but Devin's a fan. Apparently she's a really good surfer and I believe it. And we'll just see how it plays out. Hopefully it'll work out. Yeah. Uh, my understanding was the WSL was working hard to not expand the longboard tour and to call it. And so I don't know what this move is for bringing a new, I, I was almost assuming they don't replace Devin and they slowly let the thing die on the vine. So then bringing in a new commissioner surprised me. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, I know we're running long, but yeah. stab magazine, this is kind of related to the WSL. They just posted the 10 most popular list. They took a survey, a reader survey and said, who are your 10 favorite surfers, males and females. And I can read to you that list real quickly. We don't have to do a deep dive, but kind of the point that I wanted to make with this is it's interesting how few of the surfers in people's top 10 are actually on the WSL CT. So this is under the header of kind of a conversation an ongoing evolving conversation that we have about the relevancy of competitive professional surfing at this point. And at some point in my life, it played, it was hugely relevant because I think the best surfing in the world was happening on tour and some of the best waves that we would see all year were happening on tour. And in the past couple of years, that hasn't been happening. And we comment on it here on the show, but to see this reader's poll reflect that I think is kind of telling. So from the men's side, it's John, John Florence, number one, Dane Reynolds, number two, that's a shocker to me. Mason Ho, number three, not a shocker. Kelly, number four, Ethan Ewing, number five, Jack Robinson, number six, Michael February, number seven, Griffin Colavento, number eight, Torin Martin, number nine, and Mick Fanning, number 10. Wow. So where do they glean this data from? Is it only stab listeners? Stabs or? readers. Stabs, yeah, stabs readers. readers. Okay. Because Mick Fanning kind of surprises me, but not because, but it doesn't because he's been featured in a lot of the stab surfboard video stuff, the stab in the dark and now electric acid. Um, in many ways, it sort of reflects what, who stab's favorite surfers are. Yeah. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Which are all great surfers by the way, but like Dane Reynolds, number two surprises the shit out of me, except for he's always on, like he's on stab a lot. Like he's a, he's a figure that, 
should be on staff, by the way. I mean, I like he's in, he's an interesting figure. And so those guys search out interesting figures. And, and, and I think that's, but they know, have their why, favorites. But, yeah, they yeah, do. They their that's fine. We all, we all do. I don't disagree <laughs> with anyone. It just, it's not that I disagree. I am surprised a little bit. Like Mick Fanning would surprise me, you know? Well, um, of that top 10, five of them are current CT surfers, even if like John John's off with injury, but he's a current CT surfer. Uh, five of them are not. And then on the women's side, I think six of them are, four of them are not. It's in order. Stephanie Gilmore, Coca Ho, Carissa Moore, Caitlin Simmers, Tyler Wright, Caroline Marks, Bethany Hamilton, Sierra Kerr, Tatiana Weston-Webb, and Joanne DeFay. That list, it's so funny. I, I actually love that list. And I, my new favorite surfer, after watching this ramble on, which is my must-see moment on Stab is ramble on, it's Caitlin Simmers. That young woman is an insanely good surfer. Like to me, she's next level in that she her style is is um, is kind of like well next level. It's on it's on the type of level that um, I've always been hoping that women surfing would get to. And I and I'm hesitant I'm hesitant to say this because it sounds really paternalistic or misogynistic. So I won't say it, but I will say that she's surfing to the level that is expected of me as an end user fan. I now want to watch her surf. I was blown away by the way she was surfing in Ramble On, especially the bit with her and um, who's the charger ginger kid uh, out of Australia. Russell. Um, Russell yeah, R- Russell Burke. Beer- yeah, she was surfing so good. And frankly, she was killing it. Uh, at uh, snapper rock too but i love so i love her power like she's the first female power surfer that i remember in a long time you know you you see a lot of like aaron brooks is sprightly and does cool airs and stuff like that um caitlin old school power she surfs good man she does everything with a style like the way her body is positioned like she doesn't you know, she's not bending at the waist, like getting the two, like you see a lot of these girls that kind of bend at the waist or even guys. Me. Yeah. Me too. Uh, you know, she does everything kind of like off of her back foot. She's just got a great surfing style. And then on top of that, she does all the things that you're expected of that are expected of a top level surfer, like, you know, bottom turns, top turns, blah, 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 fins out, blah, 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 aerials. She does all that, but a lot of like Carolyn Marks does that, but Carolyn Marks style is a little bit, square for lack of a better yeah. way to characterize it it's just it it's a great way to characterize it yeah so i'm a big yeah. fan of caitlin simmers and i think i'm too she's i think she's probably i don't know if how what she's like competitively i'm sure she's pretty good but well she qualified she, for the ct and right. she I know, decided she's, to take the great i think that's awesome but yeah. she's she's it wouldn't surprise me in the least if she's a world champion for a number of years in a row but I also wouldn't care. I'd be fine just watching okay. video edits of her, like in the men, like she's, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to really watch, <clears throat> you know, of those girls, even of guys, like there's only, uh, with the waves if are jo- good. If Joanne DeFay, yeah. if Joanne DeFay or Tatiana Weston Webb put out a video edit, you're not going to watch those. No, unless the waves are pumping. And again, it kind of boils down to the waves of the stars. Like if it's in like really good, you know, G land or wherever, I'm going to watch it. But 
Caitlin Simmers, I will watch at a French beach yeah. break and be like, cool, this is really cool, you know? Which I think is what that STAB survey is reflective of. And I think the WSL certainly needs to be taking notes of is that there's less and less incentive for you and I to watch what they're doing, to watch their athletes that they're um, cultivating. And there's also less incentive for the athletes themselves to participate in what they're doing because Caitlin Simmers can go do what you just said and we'll still pay attention. The STAB magazine or the STAB readers poll, you know, we'll watch, we have access to watch all of these other surfers who are actually riding better waves and surfing them better than what you're serving up. And that wasn't always the case. And this, this, by the way, last time we, two weeks ago when we recorded, I was talking about the U S open and I gave some long rambling explanation for why it's different than it was when I was a kid, you know, and you're like, oh, well, some other kid is having formative experiences now as well, just like you had, and he will outgrow those. And that all may be true, but I thought about it because I watched more of the event and I had a new epiphany. And it was the reason why I'm not into the US Open anymore is that the surfing hasn't progressed from 10 years ago. When those 6.0 Brazilians showed up, Nike 6.0 team with Gabriel Medina, Felipe Toledo, and they started taking to the air in the way that they were and comboing waves the way that they were, the surfing is still at that exact same level today. And that's why I've stopped watching. And that you might be able to apply that to Chopu events and to pipeline events, but the waves are the stars. And yeah, I'll watch that till the cows come home. But in dribbly beach breaks, if the surfing has not progressed in 10 years, I've lost interest. Couple things. Aren't all epiphanies new? Yes. Yeah, you said new epiphany, and I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Far be it from me yes. to stand corrected to uh, correct your English, because that's anyway. Uh, second thing, what's the greatest rivalry in surfing right now? Quickly, us versus the WSL. <laughs> exactly. My point is there aren't any. If you can't correct. immediately say Aki versus Tom Curran at Huntington yeah, Beach yeah. US Open. Like there was great rivalries, you know, yeah. even Sh Shane and MR was a great rivalry. Um, and there have been great, and we're, we don't have any great rivalries. And you know, what's a great rivalry. Uh, Felipe versus Chopu. Yes. That's, and and Kolohe and Dino versus Chopu. And frankly, any of these surfers versus Chopu is a great rivalry. You know, Nathan Hedge versus Chopu. And Andy, um, Andy Lyon versus the internet. These people, these pro surfers that are avoiding the rivalry that is man versus nature are not professionals. Yeah. It's just not what we, we don't, I, I, you know, like I'm not a fan of people that aren't going to live up to their, I don't know. I'm just, well, what's uh, the rivalry? Show me well, a rivalry. That's women, why on the women's side, the only one that's kind of interesting to me is Tatiana has a bit of spice. Yes. They need to develop that. She's the yeah. only one that I could see going, hey, fuck you, <laughs> or whatever. Not that I would want her to say that. But you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, in women's tennis, it's intense. When, when they go to shake hands, they're just like, it's not right. all huggy-feely. I love you too. Can't wait to see you at the acai bowl. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's friggin' gnarly. Yeah. And, I agree. And if those dramas aren't between the human beings you're right there's inherent drama in the ocean and so all that you have to do is put the surfers in harrowing surf 
and that's enough to get us engaged. There will then be a second secondary storyline, which is the athletes against one another, but their primary battle is with Mother Ocean. And that can never be lost sight of, but it's been lost sight of. It has been. So, um, well, you mentioned your must-see moment. My must-see moment is actually um, Barton Lynch's new podcast. It's called Stoked Bloke. And you can find it wherever you're listening to this, but uh, actually, I don't think it's on Apple. For some reason, they haven't published it on Apple, but you can find it on Spotify. And um, strangely, they've kind of done it under this moniker of the Pipeline podcasts. And then there's like two or three different versions within that, but they're all just on that one feed. So if you search Stoked Bloke, I don't know if you'll find it, but you could search Pipeline podcasts. And then there's like uh, Peter King does a, a podcast that has a specific name. They've got, um, oh God, I'm spacing on the dude's name. Somebody else is doing one. And then Barton has his own and Barton's done the most and it's called Stoked Bloke. And Barton doesn't pull a punch. Barton is clever. He's insightful. He's smart. Yeah. And doesn't pull a punch. And by the way, he's also not mean. So like, even if he's not pulling a punch, he's kind in the way that he words his criticisms. Yeah. Um, and it's just really, really, he's really great. I like Barton a lot. And so I've interviewed you him find, and he's one of the greatest yeah. interviews I've ever done. And I can, I guarantee I, without even hearing his podcast, I'm sure it's really good. It's fantastic. So aside, and if you want to listen to the full podcast, great. He's also publishing little tidbits on Instagram. So just follow him on Instagram and glean some of Barton's insights. And by the way, entertainment, he's just very entertaining. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like he's in a new phase of life with that giant beard too. Yeah. He's like, um, when Saddam Hussein came out from the um, cellar, he was hiding in when the U S forces nabbed him. He's like post seller Saddam Hussein. That's kind of his look. Except the exact opposite. <laughs> no, just the look. Forget just the, the genocide look. part. <laughs> or maybe he's got like an Osama bin Laden vibe going. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Santa Claus personally. Santa Claus makes sense too, right? Because Santa was sort of an Anglo version of Saddam Hussein. I'm not sure I see the comparison. Oh, the beard. The beard is what you're beard. getting at. The beard. Yeah. Um, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Unabomber. Papa Surf. Kind of Papa a, Smurf. Uni a Unabomber vibe. <laughs> Man, you're pulling really dark examples. I'm just trying to. Uh, uh, by the way, so my kook, this relates to earlier conversations as well. Kelly Slater stuck around in Jay Bay. Yes. Um, and one of the local filmers there caught some of the free surfs of Kelly. And he was riding this Tomo, like five fin. The board did not look great. Uh, but I mentioned previously that I just love watching Kelly free surf because we don't get to see it enough. My kook in this video is all of the freaking other people in the lineup paddling. There's no less than three <laughs> examples in this free surf video of people paddling straight into Kelly Slater's path. And I understand if you get in someone's path on a dumpy beach break where everything's, there's no channel and there's waves breaking everywhere. And so you don't know where the next wave and who, who's gonna pop up and they're only five feet in front, like what? This is Jay Bay. It's a long roping right. You can see Kelly coming from 300 yards away. 
and it's Kelly Slater. He's going to make the section, okay? So just predict <laughs> that he's going to be where the wave is breaking when it gets towards you. Paddle the other way. Get out of the way. I cannot believe how many kooky paddlers there are nowadays. Yeah, there's quite a few. All right, well, look. Great insights. We've said a lot. Until next time, David. Adios and aloha. There's a place in the world for the angry young man With his working class ties and his radical plans He refuses to bend, he refuses to crawl And he's always at home with his back to the wall And he's proud of his scars and the battles he's lost And he struggles and bleeds as he hangs on his cross And he likes to be known as the angry young man Angry young man with his foot in his mouth and his heart in his hand. He's been stabbing the back, he's been misunderstood. It's a comfort to know his intentions are good. And he sits in a room with a lock on the door, with his maps and his medals laid out on the floor. And he likes to be known as the angry young man. I believe I've passed the age consciousness and righteous rage. I found that just surviving. A noble fight. I once believed in causes too. I had my pointless point of view, and life went on no matter who was wrong or right. Oh, and there's always a place for the angry young man with his fist in the air and his head in the sand. And he's never been able to learn from mistakes, so he can't understand why his heart always breaks. And his honor is pure and his courage is well. And he's fair and he's true and he's boring as hell And he'll go to the grave as an angry old Working class ties and his radical plans He refuses to bend, 